0: To this another episode of frame and reference i'm your host kenny mcmillan and today we're talking with danny Vecchioni and uh diego ongaro dp and director respectively of the new film down with the king which just premiered at Cannes, Cannes, the french festival um this was a fantastic conversation um they shot this film the movie is about a uh, uh sort of top of his career rapper um, who kind of becomes disillusioned with his career trajectory or the rap game in general, however you want to say it, um, and goes to a sort of lives in a farm uh, at a farm uh, to kind of just figure his own his shit out. Um, and it's, it's super fascinating film. Uh, it is acted by uh, Freddie Gibbs is the main character who does a fantastic job. It's his first film. And they shot the whole thing on two Blackmagic Pocket 6Ks, which uh, you would not guess by the quality of the film, not to say that the Blackmagic cameras aren't good, but it looks like any film you would see in the cinema. And they didn't light it. (laughs) Well, they did. I mean, it's lit in the sense that they placed lights, but they didn't. It was all naturally lit. You know, they used practicals. They used the sun. Very rarely would they use, um, you know, cinema lights at all, uh, which I'll let them talk about. Um, but so it's, it's a great, uh, this is a great episode to listen to if you're the kind of person who's been waiting to hear how something could be made with minimal gear. Um, and so this fantastic film was made, um, very simply, but very elegantly. Uh, and we talk about that and all kinds of other things and, um, really had a great conversation with Danny and Diego. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I've thoroughly enjoyed this one and I think you will too. So, um, yeah. Instead of taking up all your time, I will let you get to listening. So uh, here it is, my interview with the DP and director of Down with the King. How did how did you come up with the story and, and how did you decide on having it be um, primarily a a sort of character study that is improved? And by the way, Freddie Gibbs right. is dope. Way to find <laughs> a great, a great guy to act. Yeah, yeah is amazing. Yeah, he's, he's amazing
1: quite a surprise um, it all started about 10 years ago I read an article about a French rapper young rapper who was about to come out with a second album and he was talking in an interview about how difficult it had been for him to write a new album he was only 18 years old he had he felt like he had talked about everything that happened in his life you know he was barely 18 in the first album uh, and felt it was extremely successful in. France, and he felt so much pressure at such a young age uh, to, you know, come up with something new. And he was lacking the experience. He was becoming suicidal. And it was really interesting to hear that from rappers, which usually they don't show themselves as vulnerable. Uh, You know, you always see the tough side. So that stuck with me for years. Um, And then I, I, uh, I made my first feature, uh, which Danny was one of the DP, um, they, they um, he co would the film with, uh, Chris Teague. Um, it was called Bob in the Trees and it was a character study of an older logger, uh, in Western Massachusetts, um, who struggles to keep his business afloat. Uh, we shot that with a very documentary approach, a lot of improv, a lot of characters playing their real self sort of, you know, within like fictional within a fictional canvas. Um, and after we finished that film, um, I felt like I wanted to tell another story set in that same community. Uh, Blue collar farmers, loggers in Western Massachusetts. It's a pretty rural part of the state. Uh, and that's where I've been living for uh, 15 years. So. I know that community really well, and I wanted to tell this, another story, but from an outsider perspective this time. Um, and I had that story about the rapper, and he would be the outside uh, character, the outsider uh, in the story. And um, I wanted it, I wanted that story to be told from his perspective. Um, you know, sort of a rapper mid-career at the end, at the end of his rope, doubting and being there, totally fish out of the water um writing a new album and, and and falling in love with this um this countryside the people around farming and all that uh you know something you wouldn't expect uh to see in a film about rap uh, where it's usually it's about the business it's about the grind like climbing to the top here we're like we're start from the top and and it's kind of a downfall from there um, you know and and i've always been interested in in that process of working with non-actors uh, the way I did in Bob and the Trees in the first film uh, and working with within that same documentary approach and working in this case really wanted to work with a real rapper who hadn't necessarily done films and then work, you know, use his character, uh, his persona and personality and his words and, 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 and therefore the improv. So my screenwriter Molia, He's French. Uh, I'm French myself, too. We, we wrote together a treatment, a 30 page treatment. Uh, you know, it's a breakdown of scenes by scenes with like a bunch of paragraphs like detailing like what happens in the scenes. But we threw f- we threw a few words in there, but they were it was not scripted. I mean, the idea was for the main characters like Freddie, who plays a rapper and Bob, who plays a farmer they're gonna they're gonna be using their own words within a given situation and we're gonna have to adapt to that uh, from that uh meaning you know danny uh, a lot of handheld uh being sort of a a lot of it in a documentary setting you know that we can work with and sometimes when it's more scripted we we have a better idea of, of you know, and and we can fine tune s- more things. But Danny, maybe you want to take it from there and, and talk about that aspect.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's a well, the, and the two f- films too, Bob in the Trees and Down with the King are have have repeated characters that show up, like Bob in Bob in the Trees is Bob in Down with the King. So there's Bob, a Bob's like, great. Bob is kind of the best. <laughs> I love. He's, he's really Bob. cool. <laughs> Yeah. uh he's amazing and and his farm it's his you know a lot of it is taken from real life like that's bob's farm like he lives on that farm and it's a family farm and and um you know supports i think probably six families or something like that and it's and it's like a really magical place to shoot too i mean it's, it's an incredible location i think that uh that was really cool but but the you know the from bob and the trees we kind of developed it's just a very, it's a very unique way to shoot because it is like a doc narrative hybrid that you're, you're looking at and stuff like that too, but you don't want it to feel, we never want it to feel, uh, messy and like just the cameras finding stuff all that We wanted to kind of lock into, you know, direct cinema type verite stuff. We didn't want it to be like shaky handheld everywhere, it's, all that stuff. It's not uh real housewives of Massachusetts.
1: <laughs> it's not
2: really. We just, we just got past that, which is, which is good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and it's fun, and I love shooting doc stuff too. So it's it's a it's a really cool way to shoot because there is no script, but you do have the story. Like Diego knows where the whole thing is going, and there'll be like kind of like lines in there. It's it, but it was really weird because when we shot Bob in the Trees, um, my friend Chris, T he, he shot the short actually. There's also a short of Bob in the Trees that was made prior to the to the feature, and then um, and he's just explaining to me. He's like, "There's not a script. It's an outline." We're just going to kind of follow around. I was like, this sounds kind of str- I didn't, I'd just never done it before. But then after we kind of got in the swing of it, I was like, I, was like, I really kind of got into that way of shooting. Because you're shooting really like, in my mind for both movies, and particularly with Down the King, I think we kind of had some new ideas that we we're able to bring to, to that film. But um, I was just, in in my mind, shooting a documentary the whole time. Right. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a different way. It's a very, it's a very interesting workflow and stuff like that too. And I think the way the, the the day goes to kind of reflects i think uh diego's personality too and things like that it's it's, it's like you know the, the the crew's like he wanted super small cameras and super small crew so it's like very condensed stuff it's not like a huge production you know it's it's like a really skeleton type you know as few people as possible smallest rigs as possible I, uh, I, l- I, you know all that
0: i, I literally have a, my second note See, I'm sometimes I'm bad at taking notes. Uh, I got home from an event last night, so I was like, "Oh shit, let's go." Uh, It all I all I put was Freddie opening pig scene. That's a great note, bud. Uh, That's a good note. (laughs) Great note. Uh, But then the second one is just it's a doc, it and it it, that that comes across, but in a way that, um, in the sense that it very it feels very real and like you're just suddenly dropped into um, this person's life in a way that is that is relatively compel compelling
1: right that was that was the goal really uh you know that it feels real that we have the real deal we have people like freddie gibbs who's like an extremely talented rapper uh people like bob who's just like this bigger than life guy you know who's this real farmer and logger and, and then we have a supporting cast too which is um uh, jamie newman and and um and david Crumholtz, who were also able to bring a lot of that improv and their skill as actors but yeah having this like authenticity was like crucial i think to be so you so you're in it you believe it you believe it and then and then working on the on the craft and the, the storytelling and the editing to make it you know not boring basically what you said and, and like, to be to be able to be immersed in that world like quickly believe it and be compelled by the characters and wanting to be to stay with them, really. Um
0: well that method, I suppose, was um sort of I guess co-signed by Nomad Land earlier this year. Um, you know, getting getting non-actors to be because how many of the people in that film are, are right. like non-actors?
1: Well, there's Bob, Bob. uh well Bob is. Uh Freddie was now a professional actor, but that was his first film, so I don't know. It but it's kind of in the middle. Right. Um and then um, Jamie Newman and David Crumholtz are not. Obviously, Sharon Washington was not. And then the rest of the cast was kind of mostly non-actors, you know, for like the small roles.
0: Yeah, like in the um, uh, hardware store and whatnot. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So,
0: uh, Daniel, talk to me about how, um, how did you approach lighting all these scenes? Because it looks very unlit, which I know um, is kind of the best thing in the world. Uh, It is
2: uh, totally not lit. I would say
0: (laughs) (laughs) so. so Zero zero lighting package.
2: Well, I I only lit stuff when I absolutely had to light it. Basically, so we were trying to go with it. (laughs) Yeah, the the stuff at night. Well, the 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 um. There's a party scene uh, where there that that kind of goes off the rails in the in the movie, and we had a bunch of like Christmas lights strung up everywhere and all that stuff. So we, we, I had to put like a light mat four up overhead cause it was just nothing in the middle of the room that was just like, I just could we just couldn't shoot in there. So uh, just so I put, uh, up top. Yeah. There was these like beams that I kind of, we kind of like cartelined off and just hung on a, hung a light mat four, got it to the right, you know, the right color temp, you know, probably around 2,800 or something like that. Dimmed it down a little bit, put that little magic cloth on there. Um, and then also in the, there's a very short scene in, uh, uh jamie's kitchen uh jamie newman it, it, like where he comes over after after he drives to her house and the i just i did the same thing i just used the same kind of technique in a kind of a different way with the light metaphor, four um because there was just no exposure i just couldn't i couldn't do that we, right. we we did have the benefit of we had the main hero house which is in real life down the block from bob's farm strangely in sandus fields in the berkshires So we had a really close, you know, like all our, I guess wouldn't, maybe 90% Diego's of the locations were within two miles of of shooting. Great for comedy moves. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it was amazing. And then, um, and then, well, the concert scene, we actually shot at mass mocha and that was all like, we had to light that like a concert. So that's, that was an actually a fairly, you know, sizable, you know, concert kind of thing that we had to We had to make look like a concert. So we had. So that wasn't
0: a real concert
2: no that we we had um w- that was well we had to do it during COVID too it was a mess well we we, we had stock oh, footage oh and okay, then okay. we had so the, the large the big bit it looks huge it looks it enormous up, yeah it looks just like like there's this stock stuff that's just like massive and it's just like the chanting and the, the sound design helps out obviously too but we had um six we had like 16 extras and we shot everything on like long lenses with like real active kinetic cameras just to, and just like and then we're on stage with Freddie, too. But we there was a lot of discussion that was and that was the only other we had to storyboard that scene out, too, because it was just like, how are we going to make this look like a like a show with like no people? Right. <laughs> right. So right. so that was that was way more that that scene out of the whole movie was the most traditional movie scene, even though it feels, I think, similar to the rest of the film, too.
0: Yeah, the uh i actually didn't put together that you guys did that um did this film so recently because i've definitely seen a few um let's call them covid films that right. like uh are are very apparently like oh we can't do anything well let's get one actor and have them stand outside you know' um, not that <laughs> right. they're bad films <laughs> but it's just kind of apparent that that's the case you know
2: yeah, yeah. um so yeah i didn't did yeah. not put that together Which is, when it's also, we shot it, like, last October, November, because we really wanted to get that, like, another thing, like the passing of seasons and, like, thematically tying into Freddie's characters, like, you know, from from autumn into winter kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, it it was challenging. But we were kind of also sort of, we were so, it's very deep in the country there, too. Like, you're in the woods, so you're kind of potted together, too. And we were also doing, like, getting tested all, you know, like, we were trying to follow as many, safety protocols as we could, you know, for for everyone's safety. But it's like you're you're not coming into contact with that many other people. And the testing was up, you know, you know, at least three times a week, I think, if I I remember right, whatever the three times.
1: I mean, we were following the protocol, like the um, the SAG protocol, like being tested three times a week. We had medic uh covet supervisor on set i mean it was a big logistic you know for a small movie like ours uh it was definitely a big chunk of a big chunk of the budget and slow, us uh, slowing us down too it was it was really tricky i mean yeah. and yeah. really being scared every day you just you just wonder if someone's going to test positive or like, even like a, even like a false positive would, would take us down like really so that was I, I was really worried about that but
0: how did you how did you guys approach um sort of audio and, and lensing so you did this on two what was it two pocket 6ks
2: so yeah we had two pocket camera 6ks uh from black magic uh two uh video assist seven inch monitors and um you, and then we had two and the there was two cameras there was, anytime there was dialogue happening there was two cameras so connor right. lawson who's uh, did additional cinematography and B cam on the film, who's been my AC forever, and I think he did, he did a he did a great job. He kind of stepped in and did this this great stuff. Uh we just kind of synced up together and we kind of moved around the room, sort of mismatched lenses, but we, we shot on um the Atlas Orion Anamorphic lenses on the just, on the pocket, which I just listened to your podcast, which was yeah, yeah. super cool. He's uh, he's great. He was really cool, and I didn't know he did paralynx too. I know
0: what he told me that I was, I was like, like, what? I used those things forever ago.
2: <laughs> I know. The Tomahawks were super cool. And I was like, this guy's obviously a bright guy. So, but anyway, we, we, I wanted to have the, and Diego can talk more about this too, but there's this two worlds meeting and I wanted the lenses. It, Diego really wanted the stuff small because on Bob and the Trees, it was like Chris Teague and I and one assistant with backpacks tromping around in the snow. And that was it. There was no camera cart. There was no, Diego didn't have a monitor. It was just like we he was just with the actors and just like very present. And and he and he wanna keep the same vibe. But we had we did have a lot of discussions in, in pre-pro, uh Diego and I about how to how to approach it. And I and we kind of landed on this thing with Freddie's character being like, you know, we we're kind of talking about like where he is in the in the hip-hop world, and he was saying he's like maybe one of the top 10 rappers, like bottom half of the top 10 rappers in the world. Right. And I was like, I wanted the 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 that high end you know kind of hip-hop lifestyle reflected in some way and then also this farming lifestyle and the, the the joining of the two worlds like the black magic 6ks that then bumped down to 3.2 they have an anamorphic setting on it so you, know, you get you get the 3, uh, 3.2k anamorphic setting and then i didn't realize initially even that the atlas orions have an ef mount option oh were PL you mount. were you adapting no so i took we took the adapter off and because to get the pl mount in the in the black magics, a whole operation that I think kind of semi almost destroyed a camera in the camera test. (laughs) But then I didn't realize that because it's a lot like you have to go into the thing and, and, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's like an hour and a half for me to kind of do. So it's not built for it. It's not, well, you can build it yourself for it, but it's a, you know, I was, I was like, it's like the little tiny pins that are, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a, not my, no, it it, it took me a while, but we, we ended up doing that. But then they have the EF mount, so the the camera and the lenses were able to go together, and they were still a little big. But I was like, I think if I can approach it still in a small way, we'll get this anamorphic, this kind of like this meeting of the two worlds that we're looking for. This gonna reflect Freddy's character as well, basically. Um, and it is big. We we'll use like, basically like Easy Rig Vario fives and like that combo, and just kind of just just kind of was able to kind of get this hopefully steady, you know, steady handheld vibe. Plus, we did the sticks and stuff like that too. But it was, um, I don't know. I think it, it worked out well the way. The, yeah, and we also wanted them to shoot when we have the anamorphics, like the, you know, you can't open up to all the way on really any anamorphic. I mean, right. you can, but it's not going to give you the best results. So we're it trying to a shoot. too cool. <laughs> it's a little too much. Yeah. And the Atlas is, which I love the Atlas too, the Orions, but they, if you open them up, it starts getting the shaved kind of bokeh thing that like gets cut off as it looks kind of strange because they're not i mean you're supposed you're not supposed to shoot them wide open so right. we're trying to shoot it like like a four like around a four usually four or five six split sometimes two eight four split but so in that range though we were we were kind of hitting that f stop basically through the whole through the whole film so we were able to kind of do that with the black magic too because it goes it has that dual iso thing too so you can jack it up to 3200 which does introduce noise but like we added a bunch of grain in in uh post anyway so it was like we we knew it was going to be kind of dirtied up and you know natural as as possible looking
0: (laughs) uh so were you just pulling focus by hand or did you have um acs with you
2: we did we had uh betts wilkins and uh, marina king were the two acs and they were great so they marina's a b cam betts was on a cam and they had basically we had this time diego had a monitor which is kind of wild for him but he's he's uh (laughs) Uh, but, but the marina bets would just be you know, remote focusing. and then Diego had an, uh, two images up on a seven inch monitor all the time. And that was all the monitors. So we had three three seven inch monitors, two for ACs and one for Diego. but um so we basically did that. So we would just just be operating. Focus was being done by them. and then um but that was it really for crew. We didn't have like a g and e crew or right. anything. It was just like, you know, that was about it.
0: How are you handling um wireless out of the? magic because they don't have an SDI, right?
2: It There was a lot of... and The first two and a half days was kind of crazy, because the cameras just came out, and I couldn't find... I only found one video of some guy in England who had done this combo. <laughs> so
0: okay. it was
2: kind of a beta. It worked in the camera tests, because we tested a bunch of different cameras, basically, in, uh, in New York. But then when we got it on set, you know, you'd really try it. And I was trying to make it super small. I was trying to really shrink it down, but you, get, you still have the anamorphics and you have to, we had to like we basically ended up having Teradek, uh, you know, uh, bolts. It, like, and everything's kind of just Velcroed onto everything because there's not that much surface area of a camera to right. to put it on to. But um, yeah, we basically ended up doing doing that. It was basically a, ter- a Teradek Bolt three thousands that we would, would kick out to to the monitors and stuff like that gotcha but the, the the first the first 3 days was dicey cuz i had there was like we were also recording out to a uh, a samsung uh ssd drive yeah and the acam that usb c cable was faulty which i did not know and took a second to figure out plus the power distribution that i originally had was not good <laughs> and my camera kept on crashing and stuff like that but it was after we figured it out it was fine and then we were like smooth sailing after that but it, there's just It's weird because it's like you're just making up this camera build as you go. You know, it's like, you know, it's not like a thing. So it it took a little bit of of time. And then afterwards, it just started. We just started, I got into a groove. And it was like really, really smooth after that, which was, which was cool.
0: I, I shot a music video on that exact same combo.
2: Oh, Um, really? um, Yeah. And,
0: and uh, except I was pulling focus by hand. And uh, one little.
2: On the Orions?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, It was fun. (laughs) And uh, I, uh, it's called Blacked Out, if anyone, by Alexa Van and the Blackouts. Um, but uh, one thing that that was random to me was I, I was recording to the T five, and that same thing, that USB C cable. I think we should all go to USB C in general. But uh, yeah. uh, you need a locking connector. I it's I, th- I think we in the film industry need to uh, just decide on maybe a new, maybe like locking that we don't have to change the the protocols, but just something that is built into a camera that locks HDMI and USB-C into place.
2: <laughs> I was just going to mention the HDMI thing too. Yes, I am. I, yes. You want to start a club on this. I'll, I'll sign a, sign a petition. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's yeah. uh every time I had the thing on a tripod and uh, or a monopod and anytime fun, random fact, if this happens to anyone, um, I would, if I went down to the ground too hard, Yeah. Uh, it would reset the camera.
2: Right, (laughs) right. Random. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. How did you do the power? How did you do the power? Did you have any like Teradex stuff happening or was it? No, no. So it was just the
0: camera. So I was just swapping
2: batteries like a motherfucker. Yeah, Okay. I use the Uh, internal battery. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah,
0: Uh, it Um, was it was caged up just for it was literally just caged up so that I could put the T5 on it, honestly. Right. Which is funny because yeah. the T5 gets a nice little clamp, but there's no.
2: <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Well, we kind of like, I, I mean, Betsy Marine and Connor and I were like, just, it was like a little Tinker Toy thing at the, because at, I was staying with Rob, the producer, and Connor, the B uh, Cam up and additional We were staying at the hero location mm-hmm. the whole time. And like the lower floor, which is never shot, was like the camera lair and had like a you know like a wood burning oven a pool table and just like a bunch of camera stuff that was just kind of always ready to like you know we never really broke the cameras down they were just always kind of built ready to go and they would just kind of be in that room basically but it was like a little like the first little bit was just like you know mad scientist laboratory getting these cameras going but it was uh it was fun to do i mean in hindsight it's stressful but but they they definitely you know we're asking a lot of the cameras too to i mean it's like it's a lot to ask of these these things cuz they're amazing they're like $2000 bodies and you're trying to you know
0: yeah. I have to give black magic like credit like the for for any like problems anyone's ever had with their gear yeah you you can't you can't complain like you're getting such a great image out of f- uh, what is almost a free camera like <laughs> they yeah. you could buy resolve and they're just like here have a camera <laughs> right
2: it is great i mean they do a lot too i mean like we also had to do like a lot because we're not lighting it and we have windows and freddie gibbs who's like uh you know he's like someone uh darker complexion kind of guy so it's like we have to kind of keep that in mind with no lights like you're it's a really like you're toeing the line of a lot of stuff because you're trying to keep highlights outside and not light him and just have him wander wherever you want to go in the house and like you know and there's like, I mean, there's one scene that I was like, oh god, I thought I had it, but it's like it's like him talking to the um uh uh what's I'm beat sorry, beatmaker. Totally. Beat oh, Michael's affair, the beatmaker, yes. Yeah. Um, where the faith goes like super under. And I thought I had it, but like you're shooting it, and the light just like went down in that scene. And I was like, I think it's the I can, I think I could pull this up in post, but it's like, I don't know, it's emotionally the scene's there too, which is which is good. But that was the one that I was like, I was like, you can't really stop the you know, this is going like the scenes going, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you got to keep, you know, kind of ride it out. I think. So. And you were shooting raw for the whole thing. Yeah. Be raw for the whole, the whole thing at uh, what compress? just like maxed out compression. What do we shoot? I think we shot eight to one. Yeah. Cause the, the data just gets insane. Yeah. How are you it wrangling
0: that insane. without a DIT with you?
2: Or originally, you originally we, Marina was doing it and it was just taking, so long that it was kind of getting not fair for her to, to do it. And she was, but it's just like taking like two and a half extra hours at night. So we we ended up bringing in a downloader to come in and, and, and deal with that. I probably like, I don't know, after the first week and a half or two weeks or something like that. Uh, and it was like a 20 day shoot too, which is like a nice, you know, a nice, somewhat comfortable shooting, uh, shooting schedule, which is cool.
0: So how much data were
2: you generating per day? It was a lot because they, they they eat up like the B-Raw's files are like at, at eight to one. I think was I think we shot eight to one. I can't
0: that remember we all I, these tests from my test. Yeah. So i I um writing for Pro Video Coalition, which sort right. of sponsors this podcast and yeah. sponsors. Um, They only listen to the first five minutes. They won't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh But yeah, I did a review of the pocket six. Oh, I did a po- I did that review for the rental house anyway. So who cares? But um, strange for anyone in Los Angeles. Uh, but the thing I noticed was like eight to one compression um, functionally looked identical to even the better version, even um, even nicer uh, cameras. Like that—that that was kind of the butter zone.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. what we did. I mean, it's—is it the third setting? Uh, eight to one.
0: On the th- we, we used that. <laughs> yeah, there's like the big one and then the two little
2: ones. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yeah, right. Yeah,
0: that's that's the one we used. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember, I think it's, I mean, it's been like a year, almost a year since we shot us. So I was like trying to remember, but it is, uh, we did a camera test out, um, I think I, I paid my daughter in uh, Robux to go do uh, camera <laughs> tests on my sidewalk with me, but we tested all the the compressions and, I, and, and we, I, and Rob is just telling me that we did in fact shoot eight to one uh, <laughs> for the stuff, but I can't remember how many, how many terabytes we eventually ended up with even because it would depend on day to day because it's like the nature of the shooting was like right you know like real like we were saying like really documentary style so it's like you know for stuff like the dinner scene like you know that's like a 2 hour thing where you're just like two cameras just like you know you're just rolling for 2 hours and wandering around getting stuff basically yeah don't
1: don't quote me but we had 2 14 terabytes drives and we used basically less than one and a half. So we were around 18, 19, uh, 19 Tera maybe for the whole film around. Okay. There.
0: Well, that's not, that's not horrifically terrible for uh hard drive space necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. Um, yeah. The, well, the, eight, about, the eight to
1: one made a big, big difference on that for sure. Uh, it yeah. Been much bigger. Um,
0: it's wild. I was just talking to another DP of uh, just a friend of mine about how like, we, we spent so many years obsessing about cameras, and now it feels like, just pick one, they're all good. Like, you can't <laughs> can't go wrong with the image, your storage isn't gonna be horrific unless you're, you know, even, even Red Raw isn't like huge, you know? Um, shooting raw on my C500, not that, I mean, it's a little big, but it's not like horrific, it's just, cameras are so cool now. We can focus. We can focus on story now, which they told us we should do. And it's boring. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. How are you handling uh, NDs? Because I know the 6K doesn't have a um, uh, uh, UV filter or yeah, uh, we, what do you call it? The
2: Yeah, it doesn't have internal NDs or any, you know, or, or any like, you know, you, so we did we, what we ended up going with was a variable ND. So we oh. had like a LMB, LMB map boxes. And we would and we instead of like because it would have just been so much time and like just with the weather changes and stuff too. Um I was like, let's just do variable ND, keep it super simple, and like Connor and I would kind of like team up, you know, head over, kind of look at our stuff, be like, okay, this is this is good, and go separate right out and and um and shoot that way. And we hit we hit almost all of it pretty good though, together. Um there was one scene like we had there was like a little bit tricky stuff in in post, we did the um, the post. Uh, Alex Berman did the color correct at Goldcrest in New York, and color it was looks like,
0: amazing. By the way, shout out to him.
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks. It was it, Alex is great too. He, it's and it's kind of cool because the color, it's such a naturalistic movie, but the color is not entirely rooted in in realism. Sure, you know, like it's it's a little like, you know, it's a little bumped out of of total reality, which I kind of like. But it was, yeah. I mean, Diego and I were talking about that. Diego's like, I don't want like an Instagram <laughs> vibe either, but it's right, like right. finding that, like, where, you know, how do you deal with, you know, such a, such a, I don't know, someone like, a, like Diego styles, like kind of aggressively naturalistic, <laughs> aggressive yeah. realism. what, it, like, what well, Enhanced,
0: uh, what do you, what do they call it? Uh, enhanced realism or hyper realism. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. D- David Fincher has a,
2: a word for that and I've stolen it a bunch, but it's escaping me right know. now. Uh, But yeah, we had a fun, uh, it was a fun color correct thing. We just kind of finished it too. Like we went, we went to Cannes, and it was like, we had to have the thing colored. And they were like, it was down to the hours of like the download and uploads that they needed in France. It was like that week. It was like that day that they needed it. And it was like, we finished like, you know, right then, which is kind of cool.
0: They didn't, uh, they didn't ask you for a DCP. They were cool with just like a file.
1: No, no, no. We sent uh, two DCPs. But uh, we sent the DCP over. It was an early screening for distributors in, in France uh, before the festival, like uh, like 10 days before. And we needed to. It was in a, uh, in a theater. We needed to send that that one over over the um, internet. And that was pretty stressful. Because <laughs> <Yes, imagine. laughs> nothing was working, obviously.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about the, the role of the DP. You can go forever doing corporate work. You can go forever doing these things that are more formulaic. But you potentially won't be fulfilled creatively. And it feels like in the film that was kind of Freddie's thing is he he wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled. He, he felt like he was kind of going through the motions. And I was wondering if you kind of have experienced that um, in your life as a DP, uh, you know, d- maybe in your day to day job, if you even have one of those um, shooting or anything like that.
2: Um, I guess in a weird way i was really attracted to this well i mean i really like working with diego just in in general i think he's like a very interesting the way he thinks about movies is very interesting kind of not a traditional movie making thing and i'm really drawn to that sort of out of the box kind of you know it's it's, it's new it feels new and exciting each time right you know because it's not like I, i don't shoot like this with anybody else you know i shoot a lot of documentary stuff and everything but um I mean, I think as far as the story goes and stuff like that, too, it's also like Freddie in the movie is having basically a midlife crisis and is feeling unfulfilled creatively, even though he's really at the top of his game in the movie. He's just not doing it for him anymore. But I I feel like. There was a period where I was like just banging out features like one after. It's just like I was shot like 12 features back to back and I just like burned out. I was like, I am exhausted. Shoot. It's exhausting, you know, so much to shoot a feature, you know, and some did well, some did, you know, didn't go anywhere. You know, it just depends. Like, you know, they, they had, you know, ups and downs and everything, but, um, but I was like, just burned. I just burned out on shooting. I was like, I cannot shoot. I can't fathom shooting another one of these and just like giving that much, you know, and like not seeing my daughters being away, you know, and stuff like that. So, I ended up doing more, you know, some corporate stuff, but do a lot of documentary, like the, just a ton of documentary work for a bit too. And like this movie, I was like, this is super interesting, like to do. And I was, I was like, I could totally relate to the, I could like really dive into this character as a guy who's like, you know, uh, at this stage in his life too. And I just, I just really enjoyed it. I like, re- I think out of everything I've shot, I related to this on a personal level more than I've related to any other movie and like you know and i guess i just tried hard, <laughs> as hard as i could to you know like you just i just tried to, to give in as much as, as i could too for and and uh you know do as much prep and as much thinking and you know was was talking with diego a ton and we were talking about this for like years too actually because it's like he was trying to get money it's really hard for him to get money for it and and finally like it just sort of came up and diego can talk much more about this with breaker and all that stuff too because he, he said the script i read the first script i don't know three four years ago we wrote
1: we wrote the script um we started writing in 2015 and we were kind of done with uh was it uh halfway through 2016 and yeah it took years of finding the right person for the cast play that role and trying to find the right partners um you know who can back us financially and it was it was hard it was so hard and you know banging on so many doors and getting a lot of no's and you know kudos to breaker studio who stepped in um and then uh, produced that film with us i mean they were really amazing uh but yeah it came after i gave up for this on this movie for a little bit and started working on construction and um you know, with uh, a contractor, um, and uh, decide to revive it, like, and give it like one last go. And so Freddie and was like totally fell in love with, with his character and his persona. And um, as soon as COVID hit, I was like, "This is it. I'm gonna get in touch with this guy. His story is canceled. He is oh, stuck right. home with his kids, and this is the moment." Uh, If he's going to look at it, at a script, at a a different proposition uh, from what he usually gets, this is the time to do it. And it worked. Uh, You know, a month later, we were talking with him and his manager, and he was really uh, into the character and and really relating to what the character goes through and also had a big desire for acting. So um, he came on board pretty quickly. And then Breaker Studio Came in after that, and we were able to make it happen within five weeks uh, in the middle of COVID in the fall. Um, yeah. yeah, that's how to kind of that's how it happened. Uh, but yeah, it took it was years of talking Danny and I about this thing, and you know, and checking in, and there's something new. No, sorry, and just checking in like three months later, and like. Uh, but yeah, we definitely had time to think about it and to adjust things, and um, yeah, until we were able to make it.
0: There's uh, a phrase that I've stolen. Uh, there's plenty I've stolen, but uh, w- uh, which is you know people say like oh fix it in post and and it's like no fix it in pre. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know, do, fix it in pre. I think I think it's um, pre production is super undervalued, especially for how inexpensive it is. <laughs> you know exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I mean
1: the, that scene of the concert is a good example. We we, we talked about it earlier, and we knew. Uh, we didn't have the people we didn't have the extras because of covid we had that big uh beautiful stage but that was empty really um so we really planned it out because it's it's a scene towards the end of the movie and if you mess that scene up the whole movie is going to collapse uh so it was really important to nail it and to prep it as much as we could looking ahead of time at you know, um, stock footage that's gonna match the lighting we wanna do. Um, you know, thinking about storyboarding and and doing all of these camera angles ahead of time and thinking about the feeling of the scene and really getting closer to the character as we go into into that scene and really we, we talked a lot about that scene because we really wanted to nail it. And we when we actually shot it, it was so easy, right? I mean it was it was it was crazy how quick we were able to film it.
2: Yeah, yeah. We just we were like banging out take after take we had the we had all the sh- i mean it was the only time we shot listed shot listed yeah in the in the whole the whole thing too but um but we were like and we were very stressed i think we were both wrapped up and very stressed about the extras True, and right. the size of the scale that wasn't going to be there because we're like maybe we can get 30 people and then it's like maybe 20 and it ended up i think it was like 15 16 or whatever but like how does that work and it's just like it's really just kind of accumulating the footage and then we'll also decide it's like we, after after a while day and we're like it's not about the crowd it's like you just have to kind of sell it the a crowd and then you're it's really about freddy in this one moment so it's like you want to be more with him than with the crowd anyway so it's a lot of it like after you sell the crowd you're just with him in various uh, you know, like, we we're like right next to him on stage, kind of like, dan- you know, dancing around with the easy rig, kind of getting stuff and and things like that, too. But yeah. uh, but it was like similar, like to the I mean, that scene versus the but we did. But as far as the, uh, not that we didn't shot list, though, but we Diego and I sat down What was cool is like staying in that hero house, which is like, I think maybe the best naturally lit location I've ever shot in. I have to say that uh, house was incredible. to shoot I in.
0: genuinely thought that you had way more lighting than just a light mat. I love the light mat, but holy shit. Yeah, man, that that's, I mean, that sun is doing a lot of heavy lifting.
2: But yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, we bl- and also every single light in that house was on a dimmer and oh, anything beautiful. that was not everything was not on a dimmer. We put on a dimmer. So like at the night scenes and it's like firelight. It's just cool. Like the house had all this great stuff going on. They like flip on and off, That you know, kind of. And we we would like shape the light a little bit. Like I'd put like some like light. And there was like little candelabras that I would like diaper with like grid or something. And there's a couple scenes I had a blackout. Like when he's rapping in the, we sort of doing his work in the study. You know, we we had to shoot that during the day. So like there's like a blackout stuff happening. But and then using practicals. But it was like just deciding where practicals were and which ones were turned on. You know, kind of was the sort of the thing. But like just from coming from like doc style background like thinking into that but like making it you know you know this is like really unintrusive lighting and you just kind of like go into it sort of thing um but we were able to like sit, I, since i was like staying there too but diego and i would like just kind of sit in the living room for hours and like not shotless but i think we kind of like just talked i don't know how to explain yeah, it we're we're just sort
1: talking. of a rough shuffle list yeah we, we we had like a list of shots that we wanted to do and then sort of like um yeah.
2: But it was like, we talked about the scenes, but it wasn't like, you know, okay, you know, he, he, he enters here and blah, blah, blah. Like oh, yeah, like we, talked about, no. we were talking about like the feeling of stuff more than like specifics. We'd like really get into the nitty gritty of like what the scene had to kind of like feel like and like, you know, kind of like maybe where we could be and stuff like that. But we started getting into like, you know, zeroing in on like, long you know, the longest lens possible in any kind of scene and stuff like that too. Which was like, we were it was like, we had the Orions, we had the 32 to hundred, but we like we barely use i think we used the 32 in the hardware store once cuz we were jammed in a corner and we just didn't have we had to use it i think right. maybe a couple landscapes but we were trying to shoot 50 to 100 most of the most of the movie
0: that 65 they have is is a really nice looking lens
2: i love that lens yeah yeah i love the 100 i like the 100 too but it's like the 100 handheld is like you can't you know <laughs> you got to uh. You can't breathe. Yeah, like it I was, with Connor. I was, I was like, Connor, you're like, if you're, you're, you know, you have too much oxygen. You're doing the shot wrong. Like, if to really just sink into that type of, you know, st- stationary type thing, which is good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to the the using practicals and doing blackouts, I'm pretty sure every DP on this podcast has mentioned that with digital cinematography, it's more about taking away light than it is adding it. At this point, you know, everyone's using a lot more negative fill than um, yeah back in the day, I suppose, but um recently i wrote an article about i literally took my color meter because i'm this kind of nerd and i just <laughs> i have i have maybe 20 bulbs over here on the couch and oh, I got you see you. them oh you can see them there's I like, can see them. these yeah, are yeah. all light bulbs all right. and these are all boxes of light bulbs and okay. uh i just metered i color metered all of them and i just saved out the spectral output and i just wanted to see if you went to a hardware store and technically right. i went to i went to a ralph's but uh <laughs> Could you just grab bulbs off the shelf and would they be good for practicals? And I found that generally no. Um, were you, uh, if you wanted to like perfectly match uh, traditional tungsten, were you using um, just kind of the bulbs in the house? Did you swap them out? Did you have sort of a, a,
2: a ethos there or, or anything we, like that? We did switch a lot of the bulbs out, um, especially the candelabra ones. The candelabras were the clear ones. And I just got frost. I just got everything all, frosted candelabras and then anything that was not, and then I had, basically I had to have just dimmable bulbs. And I, I kind of go for the reveals a lot. Um, oh, so the, you were the, using
0: real tungsten?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I was
0: equipment. specifically, I was talking about LED because in California, you can't actually buy tungsten bulbs. They're all LED. Oh,
2: right. You guys are super green. Yes, yeah. which, is probably, which is probably better. <laughs> yes. Fucking
0: rad, dude. <laughs>
2: Forgot LA style, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, So we were we were doing that, and then it was hard to get them though, actually, because they're not they're not that around that much either. Uh, did you find some cool stuff out with the with the color meters? It's like you had different brands and stuff. Basically, you're testing. Yeah. What? So
0: okay. uh, this is this is great for everyone listening. Um. So I got what these random Philips. They're all dimmable because that's important. Okay. Uh, Philips didn't really do well. Um, okay. Cree, the, the brand we, Cree, did all right. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I I metered um, these L.A. Department of Water and Power sent everyone in L.A. like a couple bulbs to put in the house and um, fuck them, man. Those bulbs suck. They're horrible. (laughs) They're horrible. Like they massive green shift, like just no spectral output. um, Yeah. Just making everyone feel sick in their own homes. The move for anyone listening or yourself is these uh, G.E. sun
2: filled. G Sunfield? Yes, you like the, those
0: ones? They're they're 11 bucks a pop so they're expensive but like yeah. they're they're um T- TLCI of like 99 CRI of like 99 um TM30 just like a perfect circle uh if anyone's uh that kind of nerd knows what the fuck I'm talking about but yeah really really good um spectral output almost hit I think I think it was off by like 40 Kelvin or 14 Kelvin I think like it was dead on what it
2: said on the box 14 Kelvin, um, you gotta be super nerd now to to really uh get upset about that, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's all right. Yeah. Uh, that's good to know, actually. That's that's kind of that's some really good information.
0: Yeah, cause uh, I, especially cause I, I was able to get a um sort of a chandelier almost. It's like a it's like a seven bulb um grouping. And so if you were to put seven of these sun-filled bulbs in there, uh you get a pretty decent um you know, you could fit, use it as a fill, use it as a key for like a close up or something like that. And it would be really accurate to either uh, daylight or tungsten matching any any kind of scene you're in. Um, That's yeah. So the sun filled bulbs were my I want to go back and test a, a bunch more. But like I'd end up spending a thousand dollars at Home Depot just buying <laughs> single bulbs. So
2: <laughs> nice
0: for right now, it's sun filled. Um, but yeah, it's good that you were able to use traditional tungsten because I it does First of all, legally, it has a spectrum that uh, no other bulbs have yet to replicate. So it does give a look that is much it's better. Prettier. You know? It's prettier. It's just it's a prettier, prettier,
2: prettier. Yeah. It's just that the, the rest of them have that kind of zingy, kind, of, you know, that electric feeling where it's it like doesn't have the softness. It has, there's, there's like it's sort of like that. that it's like, we, I don't know, weirdly, like HMI is always feel a little, have that, that hard zingy hit. And it has the same vibe with those kind of, um, bulbs, if that makes sense too, you know, as opposed to like just tungsten source stuff, the old school tungsten source stuff and the the bulbs. But yeah, it's, uh, I think they're getting there. They are getting much better than they were, um, like five years ago, like they were really, it was really rough, I think. But it is, it's a weird thing. It's like a transitionary kind of, you know, thing for light bulbs right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're developing, well, I guess, every day. But
0: it's funny. It's, like, yeah. My girlfriend makes fun of me all the time for like, why are you, you're literally a, like writing an article about light bulbs and I'm like, it's important to my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, It is funny though. Cause like, I never, I never understood what people meant when they were saying like, oh, it looks electric. But it truly yeah. is like a, um, you know, people like we were saying earlier. Like people focus so much about cameras. It's like really focus. It doesn't matter the fixture, you know, but it does matter the quality of the light. Yeah, so much. Like oh, we we can just throw up a sky panel. Like the sky panels don't even. Fun fact, everyone. The sky panels aren't even that great of a light um, spectrally. Yeah, they they don't okay. do t- BB and S. I think probably has a more accurate, but no one's ever heard of them. Um, but there, there is, it is like, we're kind of all using the, the easy fixtures, you know, these led panels, the, uh, even the COB hard lights, but it is pretty dramatically taking away a, a large,
2: um, amount of
0: quality to the image.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sky panels are great just cause they're so versatile and and I think, you know, and they have a lot, you know, they, they just do a lot. In, yeah. a, in many different situations so it's kind of like a you know the leatherman of lighting units or something too where you could just put like an s60 be like all right a little you know book like this and everything's you know you'll be fine you know yeah. kind of a general general kind of thing or put the chimera on it or you know whatever you're going to use it so, um but yeah it was uh yeah it was it was weird it was weird to not have a, a non-lit feature which is which is because ex- i did have a joker 800 a light mat 4 we a goat dolly for, like, there's, like, one dolly shot in the movie. Like, he's up on top <laughs> of the mountain. Um, hey, you brought it,
0: and you're going to use it.
2: <laughs> I had to use it. I didn't use the Joker. I, I thought the Joker was going to come out. I think Diego, at some point, he's like, are you going to light anything on this? I was like, no, no, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's cool, because we were, like, as we were planning, it's like, we, I spent so much time in the house. like, And you see the sun, this path, every day, in overcast, in sunshine, and, like, as it's changing. So you kind of know... Each part of the day, like I know at 3 p.m., it's gonna look good here, and it's like gonna look good, you know, it, like right. in the morning. This is the way to shoot this way. So it's like it's just putting Freddie and kind of cornering him in with the cameras, and like maybe he can sort of adjust into stuff in this spot and stuff. So we kind of do do stuff like that, which is which is cool. We did have a really tricky stuff though, because that's there's so many windows in the house, and right. it snowed it, like so. We had that transitioner, oh, you know, right. that seasonal yeah. transition. But the snow was awesome because I was like, you know, able to get a bunch of like run out in the morning before the crew got there and just bang out like 20 snow shots, just like running around the property. But then we had to shoot and it wasn't supposed to be snowing in the movie. So we have to still shoot out the windows and not see snow. So it's like there's some shots in the movies if you like really look. Super hard at the out of focus background. Maybe you can tell, but it's like we're scraping along, you know, right. paneled windows and just kind of like you see, see it's daylight. But it was it got really tricky, like because we had to do like how many how many days did we do that Diego? It was like the snow, it no was, snow. It was one
1: day. It was one day of snow, but we 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 definitely had to s- step away from the windows a little bit or avoid uh, seeing through because uh, the snow was piling up. Yeah, it was, it was like one day before d- the weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, was was just, just one day. That's a little tricky.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you did you prefer um because again, like I for people listening, like it doesn't look not lit. Like I mean, it looks not lit in this in the sense of like complimenting a cinematographer, but it does, it does. I didn't think there was no fucking lights. You know? <laughs> you did a really good job finding the exact like right place to right place to place people.
2: Um yeah, and all that. It, it, it was thank you. I think that's and I think it's also like just knowing the like really harnessing the natural light, like, it's just like, just because there's an exposure, don't put them there, you know, kind right. of like, it's like, it's like, you know, like going into space and like taking a minute and being like, okay, this can really work, you know, in this way. And it, I, I don't think, you know, I didn't want it to feel like a lit, lit thing, but it, you know, I didn't want it to feel like a garbagey, you know, you just running gun, you know, bad doc style stuff that I, right dislike to and stuff. You know, I wanted to have a certain amount of beauty and 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 poise to the shots and not not just like so rough even though, you know, I th- I think the certain roughness and rawness to it adds to it, but but sure. I wanted it still to be like, you know. I mean, ultimately it's like a you know, it's a fun movie. It's an, but I feel it's an accessible art film and it's an enjoyable kind of like, you know, kind of it's not it's not a pretentious kind of art film. I think it's kind of something that people could enjoy watching, but it you know, it was, it was trying to trying to, you know, best to, to do some art.
0: On yeah. this one. Well, and it it's uh Diego, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but it had um there are certain movies that, that I've been caught up doing this. I'm, I'm a really easy like movie goer. Like I like movies in general, pick a film and I'm like I wa- I'd never seen any of the like DC movies and then I watched the four hour Snyder Cut Justice League and I was just like, all right, man, let's do it. You know, like I had no skin in the game, but I'm still there for four hours. Like, all right, cool. Um, but this this film had something that other movies have done to me, which is about like 30 minutes in. I was like, wait, when did we start? Like, it just felt it felt like I just was I, I had been here the whole time. Was that like a creative choice? Like how did had it was the Yeah, because it genuinely think, just I feels think... like you're suddenly there and you've been there the whole time. I don't know how better to explain that.
1: Yeah, I think I think it crept up on you. And that's I think that's the best uh, that I can hope that happens to, uh, you know, someone that watches the film. Uh I really wanted to get the feeling of you're just being dropped out of the plane uh in this guy's life. Uh, you know, and he's already in the countryside, supposedly working on his album, uh, and already knows a bunch of the characters and interacting with them. So um so I wanted to get that that feeling uh and at the same time get a sense of that his new routine and 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 building um you know building a bond with with the farmer uh who he ends up helping throughout the film uh and 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 the bond was with, with the the girl that he has um he has a story with um who's the niece of the the farmer so yeah it was really sort of uh you know um little touches you know if you think of a um, impressionistic painting uh impressionist uh, painting you know um it's Little dots, little touches that, if you step away, it just draws a whole picture. So that's that's how I like to make films, and that's usually the type of films I relate uh, to. You know, we we you spoke about Chloe Zhao before. I really. You know that's someone i feel close to and, and and i love her work and the writer or or the last one um whose name is escaping me uh, no, who no won the Oscars <laughs> um you know yeah it's all these little little touches that um you know some are pretty mundane some are uh, important for the narrative but um they draw they draw um, a picture um which ultimately i hope you're you know you're getting involved with um, emotionally.
0: Yeah. I, I actually sort of in that um, light touches. I don't know why this came up, but a logistical question. Uh, there's a scene sort of, I guess, I don't know if it's in the top floor. It feels like it's in the sort of the top floor of the place, but it's like the game room, I suppose. Uh, yeah, right. And uh, everyone is. Fucked up. Uh, what is it? Do you literally just go like, all right, guys, here's the liquor. Here's the weed, have fun. We're going to film this guy. Or was that like just excellent acting?
1: No, <laughs> yeah, that's good acting. No, no. I really? Mean, we, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Guys may, may have had a few a few drinks, but sure, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was it was prop drinks, prop weed. And yeah, they, you know, that they were doing what they what they know how to do. Like it was like a party scene, so it wasn't really
0: hard to it get drawing from into. life experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was because I genuinely thought like, oh, man, they just really sent this because I, I that's man, that's the mark of a really good sort of verite film is like I legitimately just went like, oh, there you go, man. That's college. That's college filmmaking
2: right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there is. It was kind of a weird I think Diego also has an approach. that It's like a very com- he's Diego's like very calm and quiet in general and i'm pretty i'm pretty quiet on set but it's like a very kind of like easing into see it's a kind of interesting way to do it so it's not like you know like on a normal movie it's like there's a lot since we haven't we had no ad too so it's there's no one central person being you know rob was there and i was there and they but but it's a very calm way to go into it. it's like they get in the morning get the breakfast kind of ease on but like as the scenes go it's like you know you're getting the cameras on somebody like We'll have a slate, but it's like the slate comes in and kind of like goes out. We're still kind of rolling and we're just kind of ease into scenes basically. And it's not like this, yeah, okay, God, there's not like a yelling going. It's just this way of kind of going into it that feels very, very calm and very kind of controlled. And it's a nice environment too. It's like it's a non aggressive type environment. There's no like, you know, normal films yelling everywhere and people are running. You know, it's, it just feels very, very calm. And I think that that kind of environment also like helps out. With the naturalism too. That, that yeah. just sort of like the way we shot it.
1: And also the casting. I mean, you know, when you look at um all right, Freddie's sidekick in uh in that scene, uh, it was really important that we get people that he knows that he feels comfortable with, and uh, you know, that that you feel that chemistry right away. We're not they're not just actors that we brought but out on the shoot. They were like uh his pals that happen to be real good actors, also. Uh, but they already know each other you, so you have that 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 backstory that that's already there, and you know, and they do the rest. Um, and it's it's yeah, that that what's making it make, make it real too.
0: Yeah, and also pulling the old uh, uh, knives out move of living in the house that you're shooting in must have really helped. Was it hard to uh, uh, sort of separate, you know, uh, shooting and and living like you know it, certainly with work from home you know, we've all been like answering emails at midnight or editing way later than you should. Where were you able to have like a definitive, like, all right, it's, you know, 8 PM let's wrap. We're done now. Or did you kind of just go until you felt like you had the day?
2: Well, I, I think we would shoot you know, the the shoot day would be over, but then it was like Rob and Diego. And then uh, also Matt Gallagher, who's like just a cool guy. <laughs> he's like Bob's son-in-law, but he, you know, we kind of just hang out and he was like helping out tremendously with just like farm locations. And he's like, you know, just this extreme you know outdoorsy dude who's just knows how to do you know bow hunting and all you know he's just a he's just a dude dude he's really cool. but uh, we're just gonna like hang out and talk about you know the day and stuff like that but i mean connor and i would end up shooting i would there's a ton of b-roll in the film too but on the weekends we were just kind of there and i i mean i would just do it for fun like and i think the berkshires is like one of the most beautiful places in america and the leaves were going down so i was like i am just need to get as much footage of these, the, the seasonal change as possible. So I would just kind of go out with Connor and we would just kind of mess around on the weekends and, you know, go just shoot stuff basically too, which was, which is super fun. So, um, and I did it like more out of fun. I I don't really do that, I guess on any other thing, but I was just kind of doing it for this, for this movie for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's a lot easier, like we're saying with those small, you know, if you had three full-sized RELFs, you wouldn't be like, let me just go grab this and shoot some leaves
2: right right yeah i mean it's kind of cool because it's like not ever breaking down the camera is kind of huge because it's just sitting there and it's just like okay look you know it's it's the sun setting let's just you know let's just go bang out hour and a half you know hour and a half until sunset and and uh and all that stuff too um which was kind of cool and just getting like the right light and stuff and, and everything also in the movie too we also got i get i started started getting like slightly obsessed with um we call it the dog wolf but i what's the what, i can't remember the phrase diego what is it what's, the,
1: what's oh, it, the, it's dusk i mean it's a word it, we created for dusk it's uh in french there's a um, term uh called uh between dog and wolf entre chien et loup which which mean which means the magic hour basically you know that time between the night and day uh and yeah we called it dog wolf because of that and um uh, and that's when things Became crazy. And then he would transform into a werewolf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Working fast as hell. <laughs> oh yeah. Putting a lot of
1: pressure on everyone because we had 10 minutes to get the shot. It was fun. Uh, yeah. And for some reason, every day we found a scene to shot to shoot at dusk at
2: Dog Wolf.
0: Uh, um, I'm hoping that yeah. enters the lexicon. That's a great phrase.
2: <laughs> The dog yeah. wolf. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it was also like not the magic hour, the orange, not the sun. It was like after the sunset, that blue light, that indigo light that, that lasts super. Sh- I mean, that's a super short window. It legitimately uh,
0: is like 15
2: it's, minutes. It's 15. I mean, if you're lucky on a good day, it's like the last light, you know, but it's like we had, we tried to shoot every day. We, you can't shoot that much stuff there, but we have a lot like the opening shot of the movie where he's just like staring breaking the fourth wall, smoking a blunt. Like it starts off in like that time of day, and then there's like there's a scene where his, his windshield gets cracked. We had to shoot that over two days because it was just like it was a lot of coordination. There's like a car that headlights turn on as come up, and you know there was a lot of stuff. And we had a, we we're like sprinting. And I'm like sprinting down the driveway after Freddie, where he's like and he can run too. Freddie's like super in shape and like and he's a runner. And I was like this, is <laughs> like you know, with a camera running after Freddie. like no joke. He was like full full on with the easy rig so. just. <laughs> I, I just, I did the handle and I was like, da, 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 oh, okay. you know, I just, cause I, yeah, I don't do, I do the easy rig. I don't do if, if some, if I'm walking with somebody mm. or, or running, I, running, it's like, I don't want to fall with that thing either. <laughs> just, it'll be just like a nightmare. But like, a, if I, if I'm like in, in walking, I feel the easy rig gets kind of bumpy Floaty. and weird. So I, I I do it on the shoulder if anybody's like moving, moving. And then if I'm, if I'm like doing like more of like, you know, using my body as like a dolly or just adjusts. And I'm trying to like, just hang out. I used to use the rig a ton. Um, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, that was, uh, but those are fun though. I, I did sort of like, I guess I was just saying it, it was a very calm shoot and I guess I, I guess maybe every day at dusk it, <laughs> it was not calm for half an hour. <laughs> uh, one thing that I, that I do that,
0: uh, you know, if you're shooting with small cameras again is, um, small rig makes like a, a little shoulder pad. It's, it's like probably this big, but what I'll do is you can move the, um, rail block and so I'll put that so it's uh if the shoulder pad is vertical you put the the rail holder here and I'll okay. put that into my chest and so I'll have the two handles and I'll just jam it right into my chest and with a smaller of even my c500 I'll have it right about here and that and you can like you're saying use yeah. your body as kind of the you got three points of contact and you can use your body as a as sort of a yeah dolly or, or a tripod even especially with yeah. certain so, lenses yeah. that are like stabilized
2: yeah. Yeah. I, I think it like that trick of like the three point contact wherever and also like moving your body. So like you don't just, you know, your body doesn't disintegrate as well after a while, but it's like having the three point, like the various three points of contact and like going at the right moment, like, you know, having the patience of, of doing that. But it's, it's a lot of, I mean, I think just doc shooting helps Yeah, with that you, stuff too, but yeah. Um, I've pretty much
0: asked every doc DP this. So I'll ask you uh <laughs> shoe, shoe, uh,
2: preference. Oh yeah, we can get to the shoes. I can uh, go big into the shoe stuff Let's right now. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I have a lot of shoe things, <laughs> but uh, I I do now. I, I do hiking shoes. The Adidas Terex I use a lot, but Diego <laughs> Diego for this movie I needed waterproof shoes that I did not have, mm-hmm. and Diego introduced me to these things uh, called Las Fortivas. <laughs> that uh i don't know if you've heard of but they're like an italian they're for like rock climbing but they also make trail running shoes that were waterproof that diego i think initially was like he showed me his site and they were like 20 dollars less than any other shoe but and i was like okay i'm gonna get them and they're amazing but like i was we were like shoe twins the whole shoot and he was just making fun of me the whole the whole shoot but we had this whole like i mean the sportivas are are kind of amazing though too but yeah so we we were sort of uh uh, shoe brothers for the whole shoe but now that i still have them they're amazing you can go like running trail you know they're, they're kind of like basically really good hiking shoes too for like for the waterproof stuff yeah uh but we wanted to do, we wanted to do like an ad campaign tie-in to the to the movie which we had a lot of good ideas for uh la sportiva to, to as branding it's like a, yeah. not on-screen branding but i think they'd be they'd be kind of good
1: yeah we have uh, lots of ideas i hope they are listening to us <laughs>
0: clip it someone clip it <laughs> uh yeah I recently got into the Blundstones but um I've found they're super comfortable but I have found that you at at about 8 hours suddenly your heels really hurt and I'm like that's yeah. these are supposed to be like the shoes and I don't, still yeah Jenna Rocher and, and um um I think Dan Stoloff both had the same super cushion I'd have to send you the link but they're like massive thick soled. Like the Hoka shoes. Yes.
2: Hocus. Yes. yes. I have I have Hoka's for jogging. Okay. And they're incredible. They're my favorite jogging shoes. And I've been thinking about getting them onto the well, I I do all birds too for like summer stuff, like all birds, but like the support is not they're really comfortable, though it's just like clouds, but there's no real support. But I like shooting with those if it's not like an aggressive outside day, you know, if it's like a studio day or something. But uh the hokas are amazing uh as well. Those are really those are really good too. Yeah,
0: because yeah, then you like vans are good for about thirty minutes. You know, shoe shoe selection. Man, there's like there's a book uh, that um, Magnum Photos put out called "It's literally like wear good shoes or something like that." <laughs> like it's so important. It's no one ever talks about it. <laughs> that I know. Back I'm on, support.
2: There's a lot of. Uh, I'm on a cinematography you know group on Facebook, but there's like my favorite thread on that. There's like a sh- there's a set footwear thread that oh. is just like like i mean it would take a day to read everyone's shoe and like the shoe battles and stuff too just get get kind of amazing mm-hmm. um i know another, another thing i like do you have a favorite camera bag that you that you carry around uh
0: so no that's actually something i'm currently trying to to work on because my i would just do the pelican air you know like the carry on oh, yeah, size yeah. one um, right. because my old camera would fit in that my c500 well, after it's broken i want in a perfect world i want a camera bag that i can disassemble the camera as little as possible you know mm. i just want to be able to to kind of yank it out and so i have the porter brace I've, I've used porter brace for like you know two decades now or whatever but um yeah i, ha- I haven't found like the, the perfect bag that i'm fully in love with
2: do you have more of like a straight up cam i have like the one that's more like I use the peak design one. That's incredible, but it's a back, it's a straight up backpack, mm. but it's a mod like it's modular and it has zi- it's like these side zippers and stuff, but you can have like all these lens configurations, but you wouldn't be able to put like, well, I guess maybe you could put the whole camera in, but it's not, it's like more like accessories. Right. Back. It's like, a, it's like a, a backpack that like, is. it's like you have the camera. And I have that on my back on like a dock thing and you have all the stuff there, but it, it, it packs up, you know, perfectly for however my brain works. I'm like, this is the thing that I need to, to do it and all. the every zipper pouch, it's like, it's kind of, I don't know. It, that's just my favorite that's, thing I've had recently.
0: That's actually a great recommendation. Cause I'm kind of the same way. Like my gear bag that's aside from the camera is oftentimes yeah. just like a mess. Um, you <laughs> know, I have a backpack. That's it's like a, I, I made a deal with, not, I didn't make a deal, but like, um, I was sort of friendly with this company called Condor. They make uh, okay. like combat equipment. So like uh, Molly uh, systems and stuff like that. And so they gave me a, a backpack and cause I had designed for doc style shooting stuff. I was shooting a lot of concerts. And so I had this combat vest um, because I wanted to have a bunch of pouches that I could swap out for various needs. So I had like, you can use a magazine dump pouch, you know, so if it's like spent magazines go in this just sort of bag, but it folds up into like this big. So that would be back here. And if I ever needed uh, okay. it for water bottle or lenses or whatever, I just open it and it would pop open and you could put uh, okay. like a full like Canon 24 to 70 would even fit in there um, Okay. or just like binocular pouch is really good for like light meter or, um, you know, that's that's kind of like that big, you know, and then admin pouches. So I had that stuff kind of thing for my person but not something for accessories you know to to carry not like a bag for it so that's actually a great recommendation i i will wrap it up with the same question that i ask uh everyone and i'm actually gonna modify this question uh starting with this podcast because i was trying to do it the same every day and every time i've asked it slightly differently so i'm gonna just change it completely it used to be what's one thing that um appreciably changed your cinematography career i'm now changing it to ask you today and everyone going forward what's uh the one piece of advice that you received from like a mentor or someone that you that has stuck with you the longest
2: it wasn't like directly said to me but i i remember what the i i out of i went feel to feel free art to school. modify yeah <laughs> yeah I, I went to like art school and like i wasn't into film for for undergrad mm. and uh in virginia i moved to la and the first, I like sent out like 200 resumes and I got like hired only like two people called me back and one person, and the, I got one job to originally PA on, on Phantasm four, but like long story short, I ended up like getting bumped up to an electrician, um, on that show. Uh, and, and, uh, the, the, the DP was Chris Komen and, it was just like one of those things that like people kept dropping out of whatever it was. Like I ended up like essentially gaffing (laughs) this thing for like a week before, like as a transition or anything. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I was just, had no idea. I mean, it was so green. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. And I just out of college, but, uh, Chris Komen, who's, who's now teaches at USC and his, you know, he's at ASC. He's, he's done a million things too. And whoever has him as a teacher is extremely lucky too. But, uh, I had no idea what I was doing and Chris was so patient and so calm and so like cool with me, even though I could tell underneath the stress level that he had to like deal with me as someone who had no idea what they were doing. It was incredible. And just the way he dealt with the situation and like just, and the way he carried himself like that, I was like, I've just basically modeled, tried to model set behavior after after like his approach to it basically. And 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 you know, whenever I have something that I'm like, this I'm just want to murder this crew member, I'm just losing my mind. And like kind of looking, looking back and see how Chris kind of kind of was able to handle it in a sort of like such a professional way. And just being so so helpful and so cool was like really kind of uh it just made a big impression on me as as as, as you know someone who's working on their first movie who was like, you know, I was definitely trying hard, but I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Well <laughs> you know, and for sure.
0: That is uh it's interesting you say that because one, that is something that you, you know, people say, like, oh, do you need film school? And I actually do think you do, but not for like learning movies. It's more for the environment of failure that you're allowed to cultivate before you get out yes. in the real world. But that yeah. uh, onset etiquette is definitely something that you do not learn in film school.
2: Um, no, no, it's def- you kind of come, across- I mean, I d- eventually did go to grad school at, at NYU and stuff like that. But it, you know, I, you know, th- you know, that you know, th- first experience, you're like, okay, I get, you know, this is, this is the way you should do it, you know? Well,
0: and the other thing that's interesting about that is I've noticed now this is, I think this is podcast 30, 31, uh, all the ASC members all kind of had the same advice, which was exactly as you said, like, just be just chill, just like it's going to be hectic, relax, like take, you know, take a breath, be kind, um, yeah, that advice over and over and over again from ASC members was just like, be kind, be gentle, get the work done, but don't freak out.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get in touch with Chris. I haven't talked to him forever. He's a great guy.
0: <laughs> uh, Diego, I'll, I'll kick the same question to you while you're here. Uh, any any advice that you received that you um, from mentors or maybe something that you observed?
1: Uh, I guess one thing that I learned, I don't... I don't think I can relate to a mentor, but just like what the film industry and the, my career has taken me through all the ups and downs and a lot of downs, you know, is trying to make films that you really believe in. It's it's sometimes really hard is persistence and uh, and uh, and never give up. And, and, you know, and sometimes it's a really windy road to get there. But if you persist, then you'll eventually get there.
0: Yeah, uh, especially with mm-hmm. this film. What'd you say? You've been working on it for yeah, five years, six, six years, years five now. years, six yep. years. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, great, great case study there. Uh, well, mm-hmm. thanks guys for um, especially spending the extra fucking half
2: hour with me. That was um, fan, <laughs> fantastic you. conversation. I I really I really enjoyed that. Thank you, thank you so much, man. It's really a, it was a pleasure. Congrats on the. Uh, I'm a fan of the podcast too. I've been listening. To it. It's it's cool. It's a really fun one to, to oh, check thanks, out, man.
0: It's I'm I'm yeah. glad we're at that point where someone can say that. <laughs> frame and reference is an owlbot production it's produced and edited by me kenny mcmillan and distributed by pro video coalition our theme song is written and performed by mark pelly and the f at Art Mapbox logo was designed by nate truax of truax branding company you can read or watch the podcast you've just heard by going to ProVideoCoalition.com coalition.com or youtube.com owlbot respectively and as always thanks for listening